Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Monday, February 27th, in the year 2023. It's giving a lot of reflection tonight over the last week, a lot of experiences that were very profound for me personally, a lot of things to reflect upon as far as the power of the Holy Spirit and where it's sitting. And as I was kind of walking through last night's show, just the presence of things that are so, that become so real, and how they transform us. Because I will tell you, I've been pretty much put through a furnace, a refining furnace once again, and I find myself looking at things very differently this week. And it's not things that it's like a sudden shift, but there's like a deep shift. When I say it's like a temporary shift, it's a deep shift some of the optics of how I'm looking at the world. And I want to just kind of share those with you tonight. Before we get going, one thing that's essential is a good night's sleep. And I'm big on that. And it's in, critical for our health, it's critical for our mind health, and it's critical for our heart health. And the best place to get those products to make a good night's sleep is MyPillow.com. And Mike Lindell has managed to take the MyPillow Classic and reinvent it into the MyPillow Classic 2.0. I've told you all along, I don't push things that I don't try. I have these pillows and I'm they're fantastic. And I can't say anything but great things about them. So take a listen to Mike Lindell. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Oh, my. <laughs> you want one, though, I'll tell you that. You want a MyPillow 2.0. That's what you want. It's awesome. And they're great pillows. I've got a couple of them. I love them. And they do make a difference, and they are everything he said they are. So check it out, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You will not be disappointed at all. A week ago, I was beginning the conference in I – was, I, mean, I was a guest with Brad Cummings at the prophetic conference led by Rick Joyner. And um, that was a week ago, back in North Carolina, Charlotte, at Morningstar, which is Rick Joyner's ministry. And I got up early in the morning and, and was praying, and, and God just says 28. So I kind of sorted that through, and what it was is 28 days of a fast. So I started that day. So today is day eight, and it's just a um, outside of kind of a 
cleansing, some cleansing stuff I'm taking. It's pretty much just a water fast. And there's a real, there's kind of a restorative part of this whole thing. And I say all this because I'm, 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 a lot of my reflections today are on simple things that we take for granted. And I'm going to start with something that I drink every day that I didn't even think about that I just did before this show. We're in a pretty fast-paced society. Fat, that might even be an understatement, not pretty fast-paced. We're like an insane pace sometimes. And because we're running so fast, we're not paying attention to the details in our life. And what I do love about fasting, and I've done a lot of it in my life, is that you force your body to kind of turn inward and you force yourself to start paying attention to the little things. And obviously when you're not eating, that's – you. Some people have a bigger issue. I, I don't mind not eating. It doesn't bother me. But what I'm saying is your senses get more heightened because they're not being dulled down by the food coming into us. Things smell more intense. Flavors become more pure. And especially after your first week, you've, you're starting to cleanse your palate. And it's a process. I mean, cleansing, um, fasting over your first seven days and then your second seven days you start to get your boost of energy and that starts to level out and then you start to 21 and 28 days there's a lot of healing that's going on within the body at a very deep level cellular regeneration and all sorts of things like that but I don't I mean I'm pretty sure God had me on this for a very particular reason which is just kind of a full restorative as we're heading into a new season and we are, and I don't know what that new season is, but there's a new season coming. And I think it's going to challenge us, as we keep saying, but challenge is a different word than fear or anxiety. It just means we're going to be facing some stuff. But in this moment, in these moments I'm having today, I've had some time to just kind of reflect on the world. And it's interesting that when you step away from your meal routine, how you end up with this different type of, I mean, it's obviously you gain time in your day, but it's different. It's like suddenly the the regiment of I need to get here, I need to prepare my meal, I need to do this, because I'm running pretty fast. I Like most people, I'm not bragging. I'm not even boasting. I'm just saying that like myself, like many, we all we run very, very fast all the time. You're trying to maximize every moment in the day. So when you pull away from a meal ritual or meal time, you suddenly have a little bit of time to reflect and to think a little differently about things. So I, just before the show, I, I made myself a double espresso. And this is the same double espresso coffee beans I've been using now for the last month. It's roasted by a roaster up in Portland. And the name of the brand, the name of the roast is Hairbender. And... Um, One of my favorite roasts, one of the favorite roasts of all the roasts I've had. And I was noticing in, before I left for back east, how it was starting to taste very bitter. And I just did one right now. And it's the same coffee, same machine, same everything, except now everything is tasting more real. It's There's a creamy, there's a sweet, there's a delicacy to it that 
has returned. And I think that's, a, I look at a lot of these things as metaphors in what happens in our life in this process. And when we take time to fast and we take time to kind of slow down and let our minds clear, it's also amazing how much sweeter God's voice is and how much more connected the world seems. I left this last week with such a passionate fire for Jesus and for Father. I have it all the time, but it was a different type of fire. It was a fire of focus. It was a fire of humility. It was a fire of purpose. And it's a fire of being in his presence so much that understanding that that's the state of normal we should be in. So just like this espresso, when I just took a sip, it, I don't when I when you take a sip of espresso and it's bitter, that's not a good espresso. Okay, but we drink it because we don't know better, and we assume that the bitterness is just because it's, and we'll call it a strong coffee, for example. Well, espresso is a stronger extraction of co- of the coffee bean, but it should not be bitter. If it's a right balance of, and you choose different espressos for different things, or beans. So, for example, if I'm making a mocha, um, I happen to know that if I'm making a mocha for my mom and dad, that my parents like a strong, bittery, uh, kind of a Starbucks dark espresso roast coffee. And that'll be, that will make a particular flavor in with the cocoa and in with the milk and in with the vanilla and in with the brown sugar. And when you mix all that together, it's a good mocha, by the way. But when I just drink espresso, it should be pleasant. It should be an experience that you sip, not feel like you have to cringe to get down. That's a lot of coffee talk. But when we look at our lives, that's really a pretty good metaphor in our relationship with Father and our relationship with life. And we get going so fast that we don't take time to just sit and be with him. And we get around, wrapped around all the stuff that doesn't matter, and we don't talk to him. And I, and I know last night I got pretty heavy into this experience up in Portland, but I do want to touch on it again because it's really been resonating well with me today. I have a confirmation that I've learned through the experience with, with my relationship with Father God, and it's tears. I don't cry much. But when I confront him in presence, when something happens that's his blessing, when something happens that he shows me, when something happens that I look into it through my heart, I'm, I'm broken with tears. And I am, that's a, a really satisfying statement for me to make as a man, as a guy who has a warrior heart. I'm very satisfied to say that when I sit before Father, when he touches me, when I get the in interactions with Christ, it is truly or angelic. Typically, it's just Father God and Christ. Then it is so powerful that it literally just chokes me up in tears. 
the love that he has for us is not anything we could measure or even understand. And what he wants most is to experience the life with us. And it's, I think there's a real sadness that settles in around the world. And I'm not going to say with him necessarily, but I am going to say that there's a sadness that settles in in the general sense that that door is always open, but relatively few open it to say, Father, walk with me and experience my life with me, share it with me, be with me. So when I talked yesterday about this assembly in Portland, and it was the assembly, so I say it again because someone got a little upset last night, the collective church down in Tigard, Oregon. And when we came together in that church building, it was not the church congregation. I want to be very clear. All of us came together in there all coming for a common reason. We were trying to find, the whole discussion was about inspiring a revival in Portland. And the one thing that's common about everybody that was there that I I just have a great deal of respect for is we're coming from different walks of life. We have different stations in life. Not everybody's on the same sheet as far as how they see the world, but there is one common theme. Everybody wants to see Portland restored to the love of God and to have Father and the Holy Spirit presence within the city, not the acrid nastiness of downtown run by the devil's little children known as Antifa. And however that happened in that moment of of praise and worship, that moment when it happened was when everybody let go and simply turned their eyes to Father. I can tell you that just by the experience because there was nothing hanging on. People weren't worried about past. They weren't worried about futures. We were in the moment, and everything changed. The resonance of the sound, even what was coming out of people's voices, it was like people suddenly started to sing, not from their throat, but from their heart. And as if the hearts were singing. And at one point, and I'm not exaggerating, I had to look around to see if this was like an angel singing. It was that powerful. It's like something you would hear about. And I'm sure many of you have had these sorts of experiences, but when you have them, they stay with you. And I've been reflecting a lot about this today because in the sense of relationship with God, I don't think there's anything more important in our life. And we put so much framework on it. We talk about it so doctrinally that we end up squishing out and and smothering the presence of the living God. I'm not, and nowhere in this discussion is to say, don't read the Bible, but I do want to point out something. The stories in scripture, like when Jesus freed the, the legions of demons from the man in chains, he ended up sending him back to the village to share what he had learned. He had not gone to seminary. He wasn't in in the synagogue. He didn't have a Bible with him. He didn't have scriptures with him. He was going back to speak the word of God as he had experienced it. There's There's a pureness in this. There's a beautifulness in this. That when we get wrapped around all the mechanics of things, we tend to smother. 
So that moment that we had yesterday was one of those moments. We weren't singing a particular phrase. We weren't singing a particular song. It had been a song. It'd be transformed. We weren't reciting a particular verse. We weren't listening to someone speak to us. We were all eyes on Father, opening our hearts in the melody of the moment. And that's the key word, the melody of the moment that was raising up such an amazing common voice in the entire 50-some-plus people, all in unison raising up that you could, it literally transformed the space. Now, I'm going to give you what I have here, and you can take it or leave it. You can shake your head at it. I, and, and honestly, I'm just going to tell you truth as I see it. And how this sets with you is that's your walk, not mine. I have learned in this last couple of years that Father, for a long time, I just haven't recognized it, has given me sight to see things, seer. Not in the future, not in the past, but in the present. So when you hear me talk about like having a sit with Jesus, like seeing this, I do see it. I need, just need to be clear about that. And so as I'm sitting in this congregation yesterday, I'm actually kneeling. I was down on kneeling on this. And I was, I, I started to look up and the bal- there's this balcony they have that ran all the, like two thirds of the way around the whole group on the floor. And as I look up, I start to see war angels riding on horses. I'm telling myself, I'm literally doing this. I'm like, dude, are you seeing this? Or like, are you making this up in your mind? And this is using my process because this is there's a process to this of trying to confirm what I see because we have a good way in our minds to see what we want to see. But are we seeing what we want to see? Or are we seeing through the heart? That's always my safety check. So I'm kind of I'm I'm running my devil's advocate with me in my head. And it continues to grow when I say that, like more continue to assemble. And then there's like these the angels start to fill the rafters. And this music is just going on. It's raising up. The heavens are just there. And you can start to see like angels just sitting there, just completely enthralled with the perfection of the voice and the sound that's rising up. And I'm starting to cry. Tears are starting to flow. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit's present, man. This is going to be awesome. And it was like watching an angelic order that had come with the like the to describe this would be like war angels in beautiful armor sitting on horses in just absolute respect and awe for the perfection of what was coming out of God's children and in the other level of this balcony the higher up in the rafters area the angels were just sitting there like just stunned that such perfection could come out of such imperfect people and so on the far left, or on the kind of a left of me up in the upper balcony, there's a beautiful doorway that comes through this upper balcony. Light was shining through. And I, 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 see, I see the presence of Jesus come in. And again, I'm doing this double check in my head. I'm like, is this really, is this really our Lord and Savior? And I look at that, and I'm broken. I don't mean little. I'm broken. I'm literally sobbing. I can hardly look. Every time I look, the tears just flow. 
so that you understand me. When that starts to happen with me, that's my confirmation the Father has given me, that what I'm seeing is real. And so I've been pretty quiet today in my life, walking, very humbled by what happened on Saturday. I was quiet yesterday, very humbled by what happened on Saturday. And reflecting on just how simple it was for all of us to be in one with the heavens. As this went on a bit, there was a point when somebody started to talk. And the minute that happened, it's like this whole perfection started to slowly just fade. You all know I'm good friends with Brad Cummings, Pastor Brad Cummings. We're very good friends. And he's working currently on a new revision, a new based on access they've had to the Dead Sea Scrolls of the Bible. And there's an interesting thing that's come up. And it's an old relook at the words, God spoke the world, spoke everything into being, right? But what they're finding is that may be a wrong translation. It's actually that he sang us, he sang things into existence. Our voice, as imperfect as you or I may be with, I'm not a singer. I can, if I trained hard enough, I could probably do okay, but I'm not a singer. I can carry a tone. I too hear tones very accurately. I've played music in my life. But all that went away in that moment. All of us. There was a guy behind me that was speaking in tongues. It was really interesting. Of all things, he's actually like 15 miles from where I live now. We were sitting together. We were that close together. He has a church just north of where I live. We didn't know each other. But even that changed. I've been around speaking in tongues. It doesn't bother me. I think it's, I mean, I'm always kind of fascinated by it. But his, his speaking of tongues came melodic. And what was so awesome in this space is that there was a, a unity of respect. Everybody was just expressing their love for the Father in the perfection and all in harmony. And, I, and I'm, I've been struggling all day with how to articulate that perfection. And I'm, not, I'm doing it again tonight. And I'm not even sure I'm going to get it right. But what it's coming down to is that I keep looking at how we live. And I've gone through my normal routine that I do every Monday. I sit down. I start going through my sources for news. I start scouring Telegram. And it's like I can't even connect with it right now. And it's not because it's not relevant. It's not because there aren't things that's happened. But I, my eyes and, and heart and thoughts all go back to Saturday in this moment. And I'm like, why are we worried about this before us when we have our Father giving us that? It's both exciting and tragic in the same breath. We make things so complicated. 
And it's not, I'm not putting a finger on anybody. We live in a world that's designed to be complicated, to complex, to make everything so complicated that in the end, we're not even connected to anywhere close connected to God. And so there's a few things I'm, I'm saying tonight that I've already said in the last few days, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to make any apology for re-saying them because I, I find them very heavy on my heart tonight. And it was what I talked about on Friday night when I talked about seeking God. This is what he put on my heart. That when we say we're seeking him, it's as if we've gone into a forest and we're hiking around and we've gone on the trail and off the trail. And we don't even remember where we went on the trail. We don't remember where we went off the trail, but we were wandering around and we lose our watch. And in losing our watch, we don't realize it until we get home. And then the next day, we say, oh, I lost my watch in the forest. But we have no idea where it is. We don't know where we lost it. We don't remember what trail we were on. We don't remember where we got off the trail that we were on. So we just walk into the forest and we start seeking the watch. And it's as if God's standing there before us and we're doing this and he's like, I'm here. And we're like, I'm looking for God. I'm here. I'm looking for God. And all we have to do is look within our heart and submit to him. Yet we want to run in the forest. We want to walk in that forest. And so I go back and why this story is relevant, because I go back to Saturday when we were singing, and then that 15 or 20 minutes when this experience happened and touched everybody in there. Nobody was seeking. Everybody was looking at him. And Father put on my heart right at that moment. And it was a word that I was to share with everybody in there, which I shared with their, we didn't have time to share it with everybody because it wasn't that type of a conference. But that word is getting out, and that is, This is the memorial stone for everyone here to understand how you take back Portland. Antifa comes at us with spit and fire and hate, and Father's saying, take it back through the hymn and praise of me. All eyes on me. Have trust. Walk with me. That's not tough, except we make it tough. And what's significant about that statement as well is most of the pastors in there are not on the streets. This is not a criticism, but it's a reality. There was a woman at the end of the conference that came in to speak. I'm hoping to get her in on the show. I gave her my card. I asked her to give me a call so we could get together. I want to get her on the show. She's doing some great work. And she's doing some really great work in overthrowing school boards and other things. But she said something that was just on point. And she said to the group, she said, while you're ministering inside your walls, Antifa is ministering out on the streets. I'm like, wow, that cuts quick. Because it's true. And Antifa is out there on the Portland streets ministering this 
right, she's ministering this evilness out there and spreading this nastiness. And the secure place inside the walls have become the jail, have become the prison, has become the limitation to spreading God's word. It's a big deal for us to be aware and alive in Father and to understand what that gives us in terms of strength and mightiness in the world and to understand that he, he is in the world. He's not in a box. So a couple days before, I guess a day before I got to Portland, they had like 11 inches of snow. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to explain to you is not necessarily cause and effect, but I do find it interesting as a, at least a coincidence. Two pastors I know, good ones, street pastors in many ways. They're on the ground working. One's doing stuff in reservations. One's been in Portland doing some hard work, active and committed, sacrificed everything in their life to follow the word of God. I just, I, I love them dearly. So one gets the call to, there's a particular church they were going to, to undo some wrongs. And they were going to go pray for this church to undo these wrongs. And so they went there to pray and God put on the heart of one of these pastors to pray with a box on his head. Now I'm going to, when he told me this story, I was driving up to Portland and he says, yeah, I prayed with the box on my head. I couldn't hear him very well. We had a bad connection. And I was like, what in the world are you doing putting a box on your head? He's like, dude, did you not hear what I said? I obviously didn't. He's like, God told me we need to pray and remind them not to put him in a box. So they, they showed me the videos of this. This is totally confirmation when he's telling me next. So they go out, and it's a, just a cool, cool day, cool morning, late morning, and they start praying. And that's when the snowstorm starts, but not just a snowstorm. They pray for two and a half hours, and in two and a half hours, Portland gets six inches of snow. And they showed it to me. I mean, like literally the box he's got on his head has got snow on it. They go there in its dry grass. They leave, and they're slushing through six inches of snow, scraping snow off their windshield, and it just keeps snowing. Now, is that God moving? I don't know. I'm going to choose to say yes because that seems more logical as an as motivation to remind everybody that God's not going to be kept in a box. He can do all things. So in all this reflection I'm doing, I'm, I'm zeroing in on us, each person, and just a message from my heart to you. I don't know where you're at. And, and it's, it's not, this is, these are just my my reflections for you, for whatever you can take and whatever is good. But I know that in this last week, in a, going to a prophetic conference, which I'm not, I'm a bit of a, I'm always a bit skeptical when I deal with prophetic anything. And I also don't, I'm not a big fan of some prophetic work because I find that it's either too much of a stage show or people are trying to I'm always a little skeptical of people trying to tell me what's going to happen in the future. 
But not one, but two confirmations happened. One prophecy to me and another another vision I'd had that was actually confirmed right before me by another prophetic who didn't know me. And then what I just saw in Portland. And the shift that's happened in me is not insignificant. Because there's a calmness that's settled in, unlike anything I've known. And it's not just a like, oh, I'm chill. It's not like that. There's a there's an intense vigilance for restoring this world to kingdom. But there's no edge. It's just righteous. And for the first time, I can say that God's given me a glimpse, at least, of what the true sense of righteousness is like. And there's a, a level of tenderness that he's put on my heart that I've accepted that broke through on Friday, if you listen to the bended knee prayer. And it's a, it's a security in him to be able to be transparent to the world. I mentioned, I told the story of what happened to bended knee last week when I was, last Friday when I was reading the prayers and I just broke, I started crying. Not because I'm weak, but because the Holy Spirit is so there and the empathy I have for these prayers is deep. And it's God connecting and showing me, as I hope we all do, how significant our prayers with an empathetic heart and a loving heart can be. And that's where I think we end up arriving because it's the same place there as it is in that moment on Saturday, that if we let go of our expectations and our protections and our walls and our barrier, and we just let the Holy Spirit flow through us, we have and possess the greatest power of change within us, and it only takes a handful or two or three, and however more we can bring, literally does transform the world. Things change. The world shifts, and something has shifted in this last week. I'm seeing the testimonies online of people I don't even know, and they're coming from all over the world. And I mentioned one earlier today of a woman from Australia who's just, she's in her 30s. She's talking in her car. She's trying to express what she's feeling. She's talking about this, and I'm not playing it because there's a lot of F-bombs in it. But I see that... That's another one of those things that never gets under my skin because I've already been through this process myself. I've witnessed it in many. They get touched by the Holy Spirit. Their vocabulary isn't fixed towards religiosity. It's not fixed towards Christendom. They're they're just expressing in a way that they would in their normal circles this new feeling, this uncontrolled, overwhelming sense of something's changed and they feel it in their heart. They feel connected. They don't know what it is. I mean, I, my only prayers today is I wish I could have been there for that person and say, let me pray for you, let me give you a scripture, and let me point you to a place where you can begin your journey with Jesus, and you will learn what you're feeling in a most profound way. So she's talking, and she's welling up in tears, <laughs> using F-bombs, and I'm laughing. I'm like, this is awesome. And she doesn't know what it is, but it's the Holy Spirit. And it's happening all over the globe. And so again, I reflect back on the last three or four years here, us coming together, bended knee, a 
as long as we've done that two and a half plus years now, five days a week. And every day we come together and we pray. Some days it's really zinging. Some days it's we're just doing the action. But there's a point when God is never going to turn away. He's going to hear those. And at some point, some of those prayers resonate in such a perfect way that they catch the attention of everybody. And all we've sought over and over and over in one form or another of prayer is to restore this nation, to restore this world, to give the power back to the people, and to bring Jesus into people's lives. And all I can say is, in my belief, in the way I see the world, that work is paying off. And the beauty of the way God does things is it's, we can't take credit for it, nor should we. Nobody can take credit for it, but we can see the effects if we look. The humbling that came out of this weekend and last week is profound for me in this walk. And I will tell you that others I know, including Brad, that went through this last week, we have all felt this massive humbling that God put upon our hearts in big ways, really shaking the roots of who we are, bringing us to tears at different points, making us confront our own judgments, forcing us to reevaluate what's before us. Like when I went out, I told this story last week when I'm flying out to Charlotte's, Charlottesville. And before me is this woman who's literally bundled up in the plane. She's got a hoodie on, a jacket on. She's got a mask on. She's got gloves on. The stewardess is so put off by it. She doesn't know how to handle this woman. And I'm in the process of like ready to do my regular, uh, oh, you know what I do so well. Like wailing on this in my thoughts about this ridiculousness that's before me. And I get... Literally, the presence of Christ is right there, and he says, what do you see? And I say, that? He says, yes. He says, do you see how sad that is? And, of course, you know, my snarky way is like, well, I see how stupid it is. He's like, no. This beautiful soul who was made by Father God is so overwhelmed and controlled by the darkness of the demonic that is now circling her and hanging on her. And now suddenly I start to see this dark cloud hanging over. And he's like, she is afraid to show herself into the world as the perfect child God made her as. And man, once again, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My eyes shift. We are in a a very, very challenging period. Every one of us. I woke up 10 days ago to the words, can you overcome the vax? And it wasn't me. It was humanity. Every one of us has something to grind on about this vax. I've talked to way too many people. Everybody's pissed off about one thing or another. There's still a whole ton of vengeance on people's hearts. And I want to be clear what I'm about to say, because when I go down this route, invariably I start getting the texts and I start getting the messages and I start getting everything about, dude, that we can't just let these people get off. That's not where justice lies. A vengeful heart is not where justice lies. 
A loving, forgiving heart is where justice takes root because God handles the justice from our loving and willingness to forgive because we cannot be forgiven if we do not forgive others. And in justice, and as he says, vengeance is mine, so is justice. And we are still trying to learn that pathway. And the other part we always forget is that justice, ultimately, if we're listening to him, will often be delivered by our hand as Joshua in Jericho. But there's no distance, there's no gap between him speaking to us and us executing the action. It's a perfect, seamless connection. So if we're looking for justice in this world, we have to begin approaching this world with a loving and forgiving heart. Look, you're hearing this from me. This is a guy that would just as well wield a sword. And I'm sitting back reflecting on this, and trust me, there's all sorts of stuff going on like, okay, now how am I going to manage this one? Because I'm usually out on the edge wanting to waylay somebody with an ax, and I'm being told I've got to now balance this with a loving, forgiving heart. And yes, I do. And yes, I will. Because God's put me there, and he's asked it of me, and I'm obedient. And I don't always know the pathway there, but I know one thing. When I put myself before him and I say, Father... I don't have a clue how to get here. He's like, all right, just keep walking. I got you. I got you. Because he's our perfect father. And all he's asking us to do is to trust in obedience. He's not expecting us to be greater than we are because he knows how great we truly are. He's not expecting us to manufacture something we don't know if we've never known it. He's simply asking us to walk with him in obedience and trust so he can teach us. It's the wisdom. And this last week, 10 days, has been all about that at its core. The reminder of look what will happen when you obey me. Trust in me. I will lead you. And he has. And in the process of this has given me a glimpse into something that was so profound, so perfect. And it didn't come from a vision. It didn't come from an angelic order. It came from us. People, random people that didn't know each other, put into a room. We were strangers to the space. We were in so many ways strangers to each other. And all we did for a short moment in this prayer and worship, where we all put our eyes on him. We didn't try to seek him. We put our eyes on him. We didn't worry about yesterday. We weren't worried about tomorrow. We were putting our eyes on him. And in that simple action, we touched the greatest, most magnificent, most incredible force of the universe. We touched Father's love. So for all of the craziness that we're surrounded by, for all the temptations to run off the rails on a headline, for all the challenges that we face in our personal lives, for all those moments that we wonder about what bill we're going to have to pay and how we're going to do it, 
all of that is of this world. And as pressing and as prescient as it may seem, it's trite in the eyes of heaven. So in these moments, in this 28 days that I'm doing this fast, there was some good advice given some time back to me. And I find it to be as nurturing as anything and will, is a reminder for everything. Begin the day by sharing your first fruits with Father. Begin the day by reading verse and praying and sharing those first fruits with fruits first fruits with Father. And then lean into him and let him guide you the rest of the day. Simple reminders. I think every one of us has heard some form of that a thousand times. All I know is tonight. That's the message I'm led to give. And it's one that I think never gets old. You know, they say in martial arts that a master could spend a lifetime practicing a punch and it'll never get old. It will always teach and it will always be something that will improve. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Let's pray. Jesus, just want to bless my heart to everybody. I just want to bless everybody tonight. And just the presence of your Holy Spirit in this whole time and space where we're in is just profound. And for my own testimony here tonight and what I'm going to say here in prayer, it's just my prayers tonight for everybody to be able to just encounter moments with you that are as profound and as pure as what we experienced on Saturday. It doesn't have to be long, but to give everybody that touch, that understanding of the perfection of the moment, because it's through there, Jesus, truly that in this unity of what we have, we are walking in one body together in unison and unbelievably powerful and united in all of our uniqueness once we let go of everything else that means nothing. So Jesus, my prayer tonight is this, your love to be manifest your presence in such an overwhelming way that it cannot be denied, whether it's tears or whether it's vision or whether it's dream, that that moment can be given to each person. The realization of what the greatness is we're trying to achieve so that we know where we're going, what we're truly seeking, and what rests within our heart for us to take, to sit before the throne and bathe in. 
Guide us, Jesus. We say these things in your holy name. Amen. Patriots, thank you for listening. We walk this together. We share together. We build together. We have a unique ministry here. We have a unique ministry that God's given us that reaches past boundaries of nation states. It carries on the airwaves and becomes registered as legacy because it never goes away. But we each have a responsibility in that to be in the world, to carry his world, to carry his love, and to carry his message. So thank you. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.